When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Welcome into the bi-week edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. Uh, it's still the game plan. I guess technically as we tape this, we're live, right? The only difference is for the third time this year, T-Row, a little bi-week. You, you like the timing of this or not? Uh, yeah, I like it. I like it. Big game coming up. Um... You know, always good to have a little extra prep. I think with uh, it's a little, it's a different year, so you know we don't have this many bye weeks, obviously, in the course of a a normal season. But I think with the added stress and um, all the testing that's going on, and you got guys in and out of the lineup and everything, I think these breathers every three weeks, four weeks, I guess it's been have been welcomed. You know, Agreed. In, in, in the course uh, for everyone, for it's it's this is a more stressful year on everyone. So um, you know they're not they're in a pretty good place injury wise. I don't know that I feel like they're beat up. And you know sometimes those bye weeks roll around and you're like, boy, they really needed it. I don't know that I feel that way. Other than I think every bye week in 2020 is a good chance to just kind of. Everybody take a deep breath, hit the reset button, uh, look around, say, Are you okay? Everybody okay? <laughs> All right, let's uh let's go <laughs> forward. So plus it's bedlam. It gives us two weeks to build up to the, the game of the year so far in the Big Twelve. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, more time to talk about storylines, more time to talk mm-hmm. about angles and uh, more time as you mentioned, you know, you we talked about this on the crossover on our radio show today. You almost knock on wood because you never want to say, oh, I feel like we've got COVID-19 handled pretty well because 
about that time is when you get a rash of either contact traces or illnesses. I mean, people were bragging last week on the SEC, and now you got two games that might not happen this weekend, maybe a third. Uh, as we tape this, Gus Malzahn has said that Auburn's just paused all of their workouts. So you never want to say, oh, we're handling things well with the virus because it's just so fickle. You never know when it might bite you. So with all that disclaimer, it seems like things are going well on the COVID side of things for Oklahoma, and you hit it on the health side. Uh, if you haven't heard Lincoln Riley in the Big 12 teleconference, going to play his Zoom with the media coming up to wrap up this podcast. It's just a bruise for Stogner and, and Spencer Rattler after Saturday, so that's a, good, that's a good note. And with Braden Willis coming back in Bedlam, yeah, Toby, it's barring anything in practice as healthy as this team has been. It is amazing considering everything that's gone on and we've talked about this a couple of times, it's been an upside-down year for them where normally you have attrition and you you shed guys as the year goes along due to injury or whatever. They have just gradually added guys this year back from suspensions, back from injuries. And, uh, yeah, knock, I don't. I hesitate to ever talk about injuries. I know, knock I know. On wood, I got a desk here because who knows what could happen to practice. <laughs> but they do appear to be in a good shape, in good shape. Um, I I don't think there's any concern uh, over Spencer Rattler. I mean, um, I don't think they would have put him back in the game, and, and Lincoln certainly came out and was adamant that he's okay afterwards. So, I mean, I believe him. He, he certainly was limping pretty good and had a hard time putting any weight on that left foot. So hopefully you get some ice and some rest, and he'll be back to 100% by a week from Saturday. Stogner, you know, is, was a little more worrisome uh, just because he left the game and didn't come back. But it sounds like that report is good, too. So and he's a big weapon. Obviously, he's a big weapon for this team. So, yeah, I think they're in good shape, uh, <laughs> but there's a long ways between now and that football. game. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Toby, you and I talked last week about the return of Ramondre, uh, Ramondre and Ronnie on this podcast. We had a chance to talk to them both post-game after the win over Kansas. And like you said, it, I, I think the I think the scene setter had mentioned how, you know, help is on the way, or you, you used a great terminology. And every time I watch Ramondre run, I'm kind of, in focusing on him first, I'm kind of in awe of the difference he's made in this running game. I'm sure the offensive line is doing a better job because – it feels like they're pretty set with those five, and Eric Swenson has played well the last few weeks. But, I mean, it, he looks like a different back, and not just what he's been able to do power-wise, but t he looks more elusive. And he gave all that yeah. credit to, to DeMarco Murray, but it feels like he's cutting quicker. It feels like that he's – it just feels like he's a different running back this year. No, I'm, I agree with you, and I'd like to go back and watch some 2019 film of him just to – make sure that we just don't remember that because <laughs> my, point. my memory of Ramondre Stevenson is he was really good last year, but he just kind of ran over people. I mean, he's big and physical and bruising. And especially in the second half of games, he was a lot to handle. I don't remember the spin moves, the cutting ability, the nimble feet in traffic, all of those things he's shown this year that make you say, wow, I mean, this is more than just a power back. I mean, this is this is a guy who is quicker than he was and and more agile and elusive. And so 
he's added to his game. And, you know, we heard some rumblings of that before he got back out there that in practice, he had been looking tremendous. And wow. I mean, he certainly has it nine and a half yards of carry against uh, Kansas. And it has not taken him long to become the feature back. He was the first guy out there Saturday against Kansas. And uh, I think he's going to have a heavy, heavy say in who wins this, uh, this Bedlam game. I do too. I do too. It's kind of wild because the two guys maybe heading into the year that you would say are going to have the biggest impact on the running game whenever Bedlam rolls around, you would probably say Kennedy Brooks and Chuba Hubbard. And honestly, it's probably going to be, well, Ramondre Stevenson and Ellie Brown. I, I know we got a long time before we can start breaking this down, and we'll do a lot of this on next week's pod, but Chuba Hubbard's been good. Toby, Ellie Brown has kind of found another level this year for Oklahoma State in their running game. Yeah, he's been, he's been uh, you know, the better of the two backs, in my opinion, so far. And he's a really good running back. And, and there you have so many. That's the thing that scares you about Oklahoma State is they got so many weapons. You know, we go into uh, a big game or any game and you point to one or maybe two guys on the offensive side of the ball of the opponent. And you say you got to watch out for him, you know. Uh, Sir Roderick Thompson and TJ Vasher for Texas Tech. Uh, but for Oklahoma State, I mean, it's about 10 guys that they throw at you. And they got two big time running backs and a whole slew of wide receivers led by Tylen Wallace. And, and we'll see whether he's okay. I know he didn't play in the Kansas State game, but I mean, they scared the Dickens out of you. And that quarterback is, uh, is uh, very slippery as well. Um, now, he's thrown it to the wrong team a few times, but he gets in the open field, and he's extremely dangerous, and he's got a big arm. So o- OSU's coming at you with a ton of offensive weapons. So this Oklahoma defense that has looked so good the last three weeks and is playing with a ton of momentum and confidence right now, they've got their work cut out for them. So – we focus on the running game. Let's look on the defensive side of it. And I touched on Ronnie Perkins. I thought Alex Grinch said something great uh, after the game in his Zoom to where everyone loves the young. And, they're, and the young guys are playing well. Brendan Walker had a nice game. I thought Shane Witter popped for the first time. But who are you taking off the field right now? I mean, <laughs> Walker plays the same position as Benito and Ronnie Perkins. And then in the inside backer spot, I mean, I know Deshaun White didn't start. He's a little dinged up. But I think Brian Osimo and David Oguebu have been amazing so far this season. So good to see those young guys pop, but they're going to have a hard time getting on the field because, Toby, this team's strength has been its defense the last few weeks, and it's fun to see. It's great to see. I think you could, uh, and all the glowing things I said about the OSU offense, I think you could say the same for both teams going into Bedlam. True. Which is the first time we've probably said that. I don't even know when. You know, that the – strength of both of these teams right now going into this game is the defensive side of the ball. But as it pertains to Oklahoma, the, that's the great thing about the Kansas game. And some of these games like tech got lopsided early. It's given them an opportunity to get a really good game. Look at a bunch of guys and great, great game experience for a bunch of guys. I think you'll see them tighten up the rotation I agree. Once they get into, uh, you know, Bedlam and some closer games down the stretch, maybe when they go to Morgantown, perhaps. Uh, but, I mean, 
that Shane Witter has given you no reason not to trust him out there, you know? Um, really, any of those nine guys up front, well, I mean, if you add in like Benito and John Michael Terry, 11 guys up front <laughs> have played great. I mean, Perkins, Stripling, Stokes, Winfrey, Roberson, Kelly, Thomas, Ellison, Grimes, Benito, John Michael Terry. They've all made plays, every one of them. So I, I think that Alex Grinch and Jamar Kane have the ability here to kind of play the hot hand. You know, I mean, they're going to go with – Perkins, Winfrey, Thomas, and Benito to start the game and get them rest when they need rest. But, I mean, if Marcus Stripling gets on a roll, he's going to play. You know, if Reggie Grimes gets out there and starts making things happen, he's going to play. If Jordan Kelly is being a difference maker, he's going to play. And they've been so good up front that it allows them to rotate so many fresh bodies. And really, whoever's on the field, you trust them to get pressure on the quarterback. So what, what a tremendous turn from what we've had in recent years, the concerns we've had with that in recent years. And now we got to see if they can do it against better talent. You know, right. oh, uh, they're going to play an Oklahoma state team. That's probably the best team they've seen so far this year. And um, let's see if they can keep getting it done. I mean, they're going to have to corral LD Brown, Chuba Hubbard at the same time, go get pressure on, Spencer Sanders, so they've, they've, they've got a, a really busy day in front of them. Is it crazy if if I try to sell you that I'm not surprised by how good the line's playing? Because I know, again, if, if you think about Fama, Dylan Fumatau and obviously Neville Gallimore and Q Overton graduating, that there would be some issues there with, with depth to begin with. But, man, I've, I've been so excited for Jordan Kelly to get that opportunity. And I know we're two weeks without LaRon Stokes, but – Nine one eight. There's nine one eight guys all over Isaiah Thomas and what he's doing. So I, I guess maybe the term I'm not really surprised, but uh, maybe relieved. Is that a fair way to put it? Because you knew these guys could play. There's a reason why they were recruited to Oklahoma because they could play. But to see them go out and look at Perry on Winfrey, we haven't even started to touch on Josh Ellison yet and the difference they've made inside. What that, that one rush package they use, they almost have Benito lining up inside at times where they're moving guys around. The versatility of it, Toby, and how these guys can do so much, it's, man, it's so encouraging. When Nick Benito is just wrecking things. He's right unreal. Now. He's playing tremendous. Uh, I do not think it's uh, out of bounds for you to say you're not surprised, but I will admit that I am. <laughs> um, you know, the guys you mentioned that they lost from a year ago, plus Redmond opting out, plus not having Ronnie Perkins right. for the beginning of the year, and I was concerned. I, I thought probably with the – what we had heard about Perry on Winfrey coming in that he had a chance to be a, a difference maker. You sure hoped so, but these other guys hadn't shown it yet. Right. You know, they, not that you didn't believe Jordan Kelly or Isaiah Thomas uh, or Laurent Stokes or Nick Benito could make plays. They, they have, I mean, Nick Benito made a huge play last year and Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas had a couple of sacks on his resume before this year, but I, I, they, none of them had been, in the position to be game-changing difference makers, really, for this team. And you just wondered, do they have that up front? Do they have game-changers, or are they just guys, you know? And it's been such a pleasant surprise to me, anyway, 
of how they have come on this year. And a lot of these guys have not only played really well, they've probably made themselves a lot of money. Oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, Isaiah Thomas has gone from a, probably not even on the radar of NFL scouts at the beginning of the year to a guy that is definitely on their radar now. Um, the some other guys like stripling up front, you know, and then Perkins is back. And so Benito definitely that would apply to him, too. So I'm pleasantly surprised. And I think they've got as good of a defensive line as they've had in a, you know, a decade around here is a popular thing to say. I think that's probably true. And they've got a chance to really prove it here down the stretch. I think what's exciting about it too, Toby, is with experience and with some of these guys we're seeing coming in, it's only going to get better. So, And, and being a fan of a team in the NFL who has a, a lot of problems getting pressure on the quarterback – I don't think we can ever magnify the importance of getting pressure on the quarterback, getting in that quarterback's face and making him uncomfortable, and you've seen it. Now, again, the competition level steps up. Oklahoma State's good football team. I think whenever the season started, we looked at that in the Texas game, and, and Iowa State, obviously, is three of the toughest tasks on the schedule. But, man, I, I am excited to watch, as Roy Manning always tells his cornerbacks, these guys eat coming up in a couple of weeks. Hey, uh, Speaking of Perkins, and I know Ted – I don't want to say Ted's been critical of Ronnie Perkins because he hasn't. It's just, hey, there's some fine-tuning, and we all lose our minds. Oh, look at the energy. Look what he's doing, and understandably so. But I I got to admit, for Perkins, I thought there might be a ramping-up period, but he's been really good just from the moment he stepped on the field this year. Now, he's like a wild Mustang, right. you know, out there. He's, <laughs> I, I think, is he, has he been fundamentally sound? I don't know. I think that's probably what Teddy's. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I, I don't know what I'm looking at there. I'm following the football, so right. I have no idea. But uh, I think that's he's like, man, he's making plays, but he needs to hone on, you know, making sure he stays in the right gap and all that kind of stuff. And I completely 100 percent agree with what Teddy said. But something one of the things that makes a wild Mustang dangerous is you don't know where it's going. He doesn't know where he's going. Defense doesn't know where he's going. You know, he, he, he's just a problem. And he might not be in the right place at the right time, and, and that might bite him at some point. But four out of five times, he is causing an issue for an offensive lineman or a quarterback or a running back or whoever they're trying to stop him with. And, and most importantly, perhaps, with Ronnie Perkins is, he attracts so much attention from an offensive line, from, the, from game planning, a strategy to try to figure out, you know, how are we going to throw a little extra help the way of our tackle that has the Perkins assignment? Are we going to have to keep another guy in the block? Are we going to have to chip with a running back? Are we going to have to double team with the guard? There's so much attention that has to be paid to him. Now all of a sudden you got Perry on Winfrey one-on-one yep. or Isaiah Thomas one-on-one or Nick Benito one-on-one or all, all of them one-on-one while everybody's eyes are looking over here at Ronnie Perkins. And so – you know, his talent and game-changing ability changes the whole defense for them. Um, it, it cannot be o- overstated how big his addition back to this defense is for them because it helps everybody else on that defensive line, which in turn helps all of the linebackers be free to roam and make plays, which in turn helps all of the defensive backs because the ball's having to get out quicker, because the pass rushes on the quarterback quicker. 
So, I mean, it's a big, big deal. It is. All right. Next week, we'll be back live. We've got the Lincoln Riley Zoom from his meeting with the media coming up here next. But, Toby, we've got our radio roundtable tonight. For those of you catching yeah. this on a Tuesday, you'll get it on the podcast platform on a Wednesday morning. But I'm excited about that. Always love it. That's something new we kind of stumbled on uh, the first bye week this year. And it went great. And so now we've made it a staple. So the bye week radio roundtables – uh, with the Lincoln Riley show. Now, Lincoln will, as you said, uh, uh, he, he's meeting with the media. So we'll right. have some sound bites from Lincoln tonight during the Lincoln Riley show. You'll hear some things he had to say today. And then we'll talk about those things on the show. But uh, anytime Gabe and Teddy and you and I have a chance to sit around and chat, it's usually a lot of fun. It's usually just Gabe and Teddy and you right. and I sitting back and, we, we uh, chime in the it. commercial breaks. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone that's about it. But we try to act intelligent every once right. in a while, but I, I encourage people to watch tonight. We got the huddle tonight. If you want to come be a part of the show at Rudy's, come on down and it's always a good time and you can get yourself a barbecue sandwich. Hey, and do we want to announce that the uh, unhitch the wagon two could potentially be in the works or is that for a later date? <laughs> there's nothing in the works right oh, okay. now. Okay. Yeah. There's right. no, there's no announcement to be made yet, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but I will. Hey, if anybody's listening up in Woodward, I'm coming your way soon. Ooh, we're having a big event in Woodward in December, so start to spread the word up there. Let's do it. All right, Toby. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate your time. See you, Chris. All right, Lincoln Riley Zoom is right now. Yeah, Lincoln. As you kind of look at the last stretch of your season, up with State, West Virginia, and Baylor, it seems like three teams that obviously LSU has been at top of the rankings, but West Virginia and Baylor getting better. How big is a bye week like this? Kind of got to maybe mentally or physically get yourselves ready for what seems to be maybe a tougher stretch than what was expected. Oh, I, I don't know, Joe. I think it's – I think you just kind of take it as it is. I mean, I think we would be expecting to play well whether we had a bye week or not. I mean, we do have one, so let's take advantage of it. Um I mean, I think we always expected that this would be a pretty tough stretch. So I don't know that, honestly, anything that we've seen up to this point this year would, would, you know, maybe change what we thought. I mean, you, you know, we're playing good teams. You know, you're playing. You know, teams have been very successful. Really good coaches. A lot of good players. Um, you know, three returning quarterbacks. You know, the next three games. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's. You know, we've got to take advantage of it. I mean, I think that's the bottom line is, is we won't be as prepared as we need to for these last three if we don't take advantage of the bye week. So, you know, that's what the schedule is, and we've got to just absolutely make the most of it. I guess I just asked him, do you expect the league to be this deep this year? Uh, it's hard to say this year. I mean, I've always – I think it's been pretty deep in the last several years, so I, I wouldn't say I'm surprised. I mean, I don't know that there's anybody that you look at and say – you know, didn't think they're going to be very good, and all of a sudden they're really good. I mean, I think everybody's everybody's pretty solid, and uh, you know, I, I think anytime you have a league that's got as many returning starting quarterbacks as this one did, I mean, I think that's a, a, a big starting point. There's a lot of good good defenses and good defensive players in this league. Um, so, I mean, it's it's always tough, um, and and always tough to predict too, especially in a you know in a year like this. Thanks, Coach. Mm -hmm. Eric Bailey, and then Ryan Abram. Hey, Lincoln. Uh, your defense ranks in the top ten for sacks this season. Are we just seeing the expected evolution of Coach Grinch's, Coach Grinch's system? 
And also, you know, we give a lot of attention to the front seven, but what about the coverages in those instances as well? Yeah, well, that's a great point. I mean, I think it takes team defense to do it. I mean, obviously the front's got to get home and, and anybody else that you're blitzing has to get home at some point. But, you know, the they certainly haven't all been just there right now. Uh, we've had a few of those, but we've certainly had some that have been, you know, your more, you know, traditional coverage type sacks where we've covered people up. And we had we had a couple of them the other day that were absolutely that, that example where we did a nice job covering and really didn't give the quarterback anywhere to go. And, and, and gave our guys a little bit of extra time. So it takes great team defense to do it. Yeah, and I would say it's a combination of a lot of things. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I think some could be described the evolution of the system, but, you know, you kind of – the players and coaches make the evolution happen. You know, it doesn't – kind of back to our point from the beginning of the year is these things don't happen just because. You know, you've got to go make them happen. And I think players have continued to buy into the way we want to play. I think we've been able to add more body types and more pieces that – uh, fit uh, this scheme and what we're looking for. Um, and I think we're going to continue to add those and continue to develop the ones we have. So it's uh, it's been exciting to see the progression and, uh, you know, our expectation that it's going to continue to head in that same direction. Thanks, Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Ryan Aber and then Jason Kersey. Yeah, Lincoln, we talk a lot about uh, penalties on your side of things, but uh, – Y'all are leading the Big 12, and I think OSU is just right behind you in opponents' penalties. How much influence uh, can a team have, you think, on, on uh, drawing flags on the other side? And, and what is it about this team specifically that's uh, allowed y'all to do that? Oh, it's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, I think anytime you can do something to put pressure on an opponent, then you can create opportunities for those penalties, you know, whether that's a, you know, a team doing a good job with tempo or a team pushing the ball down the field or a team, you know, being very active on a pass rush and, you know, linemen get antsy. I mean, there's some of it's controllable. Uh, some of it's not, um, you know, there's, I think there's been some penalties that have happened this year because of the pressure we have been able to put on people from both sides, but, you know, and then sometimes, it's just sometimes it, it just happens and, and, you know, opponents make mistakes. And I think the key is, yeah, put as much pressure as you can. But then, you know, when opponents make mistakes, good teams take advantage of them. And so to me, it's not just the it's not just the penalty that backs them up into a first and 20 situation offensively. It's all right. Now, do you take advantage of that and get them off the field and create good field position for the offense and then vice versa? You know, offensively, you get get them to jump off sides or you, you know, you get a big pass interference penalty. Do you capitalize on that and score and actually make a difference in the game? And so, you know, I guess more than maybe trying to cause penalties, we've been more, you know, we've really tried to focus on taking advantage of every opportunity that we get. Appreciate it, Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Jason Kersey and then Bob Brisbillo. Hey, Lincoln, we're seeing COVID cases spike here and nationally. And I know you guys have been really good, at least since week one, at keeping your guys from being exposed. But uh, do these statewide ah, state numbers worry you? Um, and do you guys even have to be more vigilant during an off week? Yeah, they definitely worry you. I mean, just because it's, you know, it's out there more and, and we're trying to, you know, keep ourselves, our guys sheltered as much as you can. But the more it's out there, the more risk there is. I mean, we can't get around that. Uh, you know, as far as the bye week, you know, we've had to be careful about it. We've had to, um, we've had to certainly adjust 
how we go about it, uh, the, the amount of time that we give our guys away from here. Um, it's, it's definitely changed the traditional schedule. And, and I know I've mentioned this before, but on top of that, the fact that, you know, we can't go out recruiting uh, has, has those two things have certainly had an effect on it. So the bye week schedules, I don't know if we're doing maybe necessarily more than what we've done in the past, but we're, I would say we've, we've spread it out a little bit more uh, just so that we're here and we're seeing our guys, we're able to get them tested um, and, you know, just keeping everybody as close as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Billo and then John Hoover. Lincoln, you know, the team looks different with Perkins and Stevenson back, but what did you learn about Isaiah Thomas and T and uh, TJ Fletcher? How important were, were they in keeping things afloat while those other guys were out? Very important. You know, those guys both got, um, you know, both earned opportunities and, and, uh, you know, we had to have guys step up and, in you know, Ronnie and Ramondre's absence among other players. And, uh, it's just not Ronnie Ramondre, but uh, uh, and those guys were two of the guys that sort of done you know the best job of it. They've uh, they were they were big for us. Their evolution of going from you know role guys or guys that had just done a little bit, a little of that to to being you know one of the guys. That's it, a big jump, and uh, and they 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 both done a tremendous job. Been you know they both been they both been warriors for us certainly throughout this year. Yeah, let's go to John Hoover and then James Hale. Thinking, uh, each week it seems like we're seeing more and more guys, more and more freshmen, uh, get on the field on defense. I'm sure that's partly because of the nature of these last three games, but does it also reflect maybe how the defensive coaches just want to see more of those guys where you know you know what the older guys can do, for instance? Uh, you want to peek into the future and see what those young guys can do? I wouldn't say so. I mean, I think you're always curious, but not – not curious to the point that you're going to, you know, put guys in there, you know, while games are certainly still very competitive. Our, our deal has been, you know, give us a reason to put you out there. You know, we, we want to, of course, we want to, we want to play guys. We want to have competition. Um, you know, we want to keep people fresh. I mean, we want to do all those things, but there's, you can't just put a guy out there just because you want to, you know, they, they have to earn it and they have to show that they're ready Maybe not ready to go take 50 snaps, but maybe they're ready to go out there and take 15 snaps. And uh, I would just say we've had more and more guys over the last several weeks show us that they are ready and and that they they have earned those snaps and they're ready to go perform and help this team win. And, and uh, you know, some of it's just young guys growing up and understanding that they got to practice at elite level every day and they got to give their coaches and players confidence uh, to, to put them out there. Some of it is – this COVID year that we've dealt with and, and what all these guys have missed. Um, you know, a number of our young players were ones that did get hit or with either COVID or contact tracing. So on top of it being new, you know, a lot of those guys have missed anywhere in between 10 and 24 days on top of all the other stuff. And so it's, you know, that makes it, you know, so a little bit difficult to catch up. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I've been, been excited about several of our young guys, especially defensively because they're, Gonna, you know, we've got some some real talent there, and they're starting to get to the point where they they can help this team now in football games. Thanks, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. James Hale and then Jenny Carlson. You know, Lincoln, you guys are a national recruiting school, and you do that as well as anybody in the country. Uh, you're as good a recruiting school as anybody. But, you know, the in-state guys you get, uh, 
this year, they're having a big impact, the in-state guys that you have on your football team, and they're playing really, really well. Talk about the impact and what some of these guys are doing for you that are in-state players that are play looks like in November, like your team usually does, are playing some great football. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's been critical. I mean, it's just it's impossible, but I think it's hard to – I think it's hard to have a great college football program if you don't have some really, really strong players in your state, you know, and you're able to keep them home and, and uh, guys are able – and not just keep them home just because they're in-state guy, but because you would have went and recruited that guy, you know, no matter where he was at. And, and oh, the one bonus is he happened to grow, grow up going to OU games and watching OU and family, parents went to OU and, all, you know, all those great things that come with it. So – no, it's been huge. I mean, obviously Isaiah has been talked a lot about. Of course, you know, you know, I think Trey Brown has really stepped up for us here. Um, you know, kind of from the Texas game on, I think he's, you know, has really done some nice things for us. Played some really, really solid ball. You know, obviously, you know, Creed, you know, has, has been a, a really good leader for us offensively. Marcus Majors had some really nice moments offensively. Um, I'm probably leaving some guys out, but it's. Uh, Pat Fields, you know, has had another very steady year for us at the safety position. So no, it's been it's been good. It's important, um, you know. And and the, the football in this state, I think, I've, uh, even in the few short years I've been here, I know I've said this many times, but I just see it keep getting better and better. And I feel like there's more and more prospects and more and more, you know, OU type guys, and and uh, which is always a great thing. Thanks, Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Jenny Carlson, and then Brandon Drum. Hey, Lincoln, I want to ask you uh, an on-field question, but non-X's uh, and O's, if you will. Um, you guys uh, have worn the alternative jerseys once already this year. Um, we've kind of started to see them about twice a year. I'm just kind of curious what your process is um, for picking games, when to wear, when to wear those, and um, if uh, I know that uh, the program's had kind of that same alternative look for a while. Has there been any talk with uh, Nike about maybe a, a, a reboot or a redo at some point? Yeah, no, it's normally something we start at the beginning of the season and, and uh, before the season starts and, you know, sit down with, you know, with administration and with, with our equipment staff and look at our games, look at our schedule. And we've normally mapped out, uh, you know, a home and away game to be able to wear, to wear the alternative ones. And then, and then, uh, and then we've had the rare, maybe, I don't know, I guess the Texas Big 12 championship game was maybe the only one that we just said, nah, we're going to just made a decision on the run and said we were going to do it. Um, uh, so other than that, I would say they've been pretty scheduled. Uh, yeah, and as far as talks for new ones, uh, you know, we have. Uh, you know, we're always kind of investigating that. There's some things in, this, in, that, in the entire sports equipment world, like everything else in the world, that have been put on hold with COVID. I mean, honestly, there's some things that – we ordered not anything I would say that was like a necessity to have to have to be able to play, but we're still missing some things that we ordered for this team this year, as are a lot of teams across the country. So I think that's put a hold on a lot of it. And I'm not saying we had the jersey imminent that was showing up, but we, we constantly had discussions about, you know, you know, if we were to evolve and, and if we were to do something a little bit different, what would we do? Um, and uh, when would we do it? So that's that's kind of ongoing. And, and ours is – you know, ours is – and it's a good way. I would rather have it like this and have 50 different combinations and not really have one that's, like, just true to who you are. I mean, ours are so iconic that, you know, you got to – it's a double-edged sword. The other ones are cool and, 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 and fun, but 
uh, you know, ours are so good, it's hard to get too far away from that. When you when you do have conversations about a change, is, is that is a guy like Brad Camp at the front of that, or who who all is in that conversation? Yeah, you know, you know, Brad certainly is. You know, uh, you know, Greg Tipton certainly is with his experience. You know, Kenny Mossman being our sport administrator, of course, Joe. Um, uh, you know, so and sometimes it's just ideas that get kicked around, and 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 uh, but yeah, that's it's you're always kind of looking for the next thing, and hopefully, uh, you know, here in the future we can land on something pretty good. Thanks. You got it. Brandon Drum and then Keegan Renau. Hey, Lincoln. Uh, during your time at Oklahoma, you've been around Eric Stryker as an edge rusher and Obo Bronco. Uh, can you talk about Nick Benito and where he ranks up with those guys as an edge rusher and what that brings to your team, the defense, kind of the, the issues that it causes opposing offenses? And then on the other end, you're going to go up against, speaking of in-state guy, Trey Sport, who's similarly mm-hmm. like uh, Benito in that. Can you talk about him as well and what he causes problems for you're going to be going up against as well in a couple weeks? Sure, yeah. Uh, Nick's been, you know, Nick's really grown. Uh, you could see, you know, I wouldn't hear for, for strikes early years. Uh, you know, Strike was kind of just that undersized guy that had, you know, just, just a, such a motor um, – uh, and an intensity of getting to the to the pass or great great feel for the game um uh but you know did it from such a you know such a unique frame for a pass rusher i mean look at the guy and think that guy was an elite pass rusher at this level you don't look at him and say that but he certainly could do it um you know oboe had more prototypical strength kind of strength and power combination i think oboe through his years, it was learning to become a complete player and do more than just rush the passer. And I think Nick has, in some ways, been similar. Nick is has a little more length than Oboe does. Uh, he's not quite as strong. You know, that'll be a big, I think, deal for him as he continues to grow. Is you know, can he? How how strong can he get and really add that power to to a game that already has? You know, he's he's probably got as good a bend and and acceleration, all of that. Uh, you know, being able to make himself skinny, body control, probably the, you know, you know, ranks pretty highly with those guys. But, you know, those guys, I would say, you know, they continued to improve throughout their career and every year was a little bit better and they made themselves more rounded players. And Nick has started to do that. He certainly improved here in this season. But, you know, to to be what he can be, he's going to have to continue to take you know, weaknesses that he has and turn them into strengths and continue to build his body and, and his understanding. But he's uh no, he's doing a great job for us. He's 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 an athletic guy and very, very tough to stop on the edge. And then the uh and then Trace Ford, you know, yeah, tremendous player. Um, you know, has been able to do it early on in his career there at Oklahoma State and been, you know, very consistent for them. You know, they do a great job of moving him around, uh, using him a lot of different ways and, and you can tell he's really progressing as a player and giving a lot of offenses a lot of trouble. Thank you. Mm-hmm. A few more here. Let's go to Keegan Renault and then Kerry Murdoch. Lincoln, a lot of talk was about the run game early in the year and getting that going, but it seems like the pass protection since that Iowa State game has really ticked up. What what can you attribute that to? Is it Creed? Is it, you know, Coach Beatenbow or um, what what can you attribute that to? Oh, just a little bit of everybody, honestly. I mean, it's 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 kind of like the question about the pass rush on the defense. I mean, it, it takes it all. I mean, we, you know, we're playing cleaner ball. You know, we, we 
still, you know, we had a couple of mistakes the other day that we hadn't honestly been making as much in the previous games. But other than that, we were, you know, we, we were pretty clean. And, yeah, I just think, you know, backs have been a little bit better in it. Uh, we've been able to win our one-on-ones and, and be on the same page more pass pro-wise. You know, I think Spencer's, you know, getting a better feel for, for what we're doing and when we need to get the ball out, when we can hang on to it a little bit and let things develop. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that that's – like one area or there was just like one glaring weakness. I just think it was everybody, you know, taking the steps they needed to do it, to take and everybody playing a little bit cleaner and being on the same page more and more. And we've, you know, we've continued to progress that way. Does that go hand in hand with Spencer's development the last three to four weeks as well? Uh, in some ways, I mean, it's, it, it helps. I mean, no doubt. I mean, obviously being able to protect those guys and let them be comfortable is a, is a important deal and one of the biggest jobs of an offensive line and, and backs and whoever else is involved in the protection. So, you know, that's, it, it has certainly helped. And then, and then his progression has helped the protection too. So it's, uh, it certainly goes both ways. Lincoln, I know you know this year of all years had to be the worst time for somebody to, to suffer an injury. Uh, you know when school was shut down. Um, I'm, I'm curious. You, you, you talked really glowingly about Jaden Hazelwood uh, from the beginning. Um, what did you kind of learn uh, about his character? What did that teach you and maybe players around him to be able to go through that rehab process when he had to, and, and then he came back this quickly? It was impressive, and I mean, I, I think that's. That's how we all get judged is, you know, when things don't go our way, how do we handle it, you know? And you got a guy that's, you know, highly recruited and a good football player and comes in here and has a good, you know, a, a really good freshman year and, you know, things kind of set up to really take off and all of a sudden something as crazy as what happened to Jaden happens and you, you, you do get a chance to – it's a test. I mean, that's maybe the best way to explain it. I mean, it's a, it's a test and – and uh, you either respond or, or you pout, and he, he certainly did. And along the way, not just getting himself ready, but continuing to stay very engaged with our team and still being a really positive member of the team, bringing energy, insight, you know, studying. I mean, that's that's why he's been ready to play or why he's ready to play, you know, six months after getting hurt. And, I mean, that's, uh, you know, a lot of guys aren't. Even if a guy is physically – maybe busted his tail in the weight room and rehab and all that, but maybe mentally he didn't quite prepare like a guy that's getting ready to play a game where, you know, I think I think Jaden has done a good job of both and giving himself to not only be ready to play some, but also contribute here. Thanks, Lincoln. Yeah, Lincoln, it, <clears throat> from the outside, it's... Oh, I'm sorry. The, yeah. Oh, no, the last one will go to Parker, too. Yeah. Hey, uh, Lincoln, from the outside, it um, appears there have been more dropped or catchable balls, maybe particularly uh, potential touchdown plays. I'm wondering if that is accurate and what you do about it, the importance of, of finishing plays and, and what can be done. Uh, I, I think it's fair. I, I do think it's fair. I think we've had a few more drops this year than we've had in previous years. Um, and so... No, it's it's you know it's it's kind of comes down to each individual guy you know and you try if you can find a pattern uh, then then you address it you know whether it's sometimes guys are too amped up and need to be relaxed sometimes it's focus sometimes it's something physical sometimes it's something technical so I think you you get to the root of the problem I mean the worst way to coach a guy is just when he drops one is tell him to catch it I mean that 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 doesn't help a whole lot now 
you know, guys are going to, guys are going to drop one from time to time that happens. And so, you know, I, I think you, our deal is we don't make any more or any less of what it is. Um, you know, if a guy drops one, we try to, if there's an issue that we see with it, we'll address it. Um, but obviously, you know, guys only get so many opportunities and, and, you know, we need them to make them. And our guys with, with, we have dropped a few more, especially in the end zone than we need to. We've also made some very, some tremendous plays on the ball too. And so, uh, but we, we certainly want to make all the routine ones, and then we want to make a good percentage of the ones that maybe we shouldn't make too. And uh, so we're going to keep working it, um, but we'll, we'll certainly need to make those plays here down the stretch. Thanks, Coach. Mm-hmm. And last one, Parker Thune. Coach, I, I know it didn't really affect the outcome of the game on Saturday, but just curious, how fun was it for you to see Chandler Morris get his first career touchdown on that scramble in the fourth quarter? Yeah, it was. It was fun. It was fun to get a lot of those guys in there. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, Chandler wanted to, certainly wanted to score. You know, he missed, missed Mikey, threw, threw Mikey a, a bad ball in the first one. It was good to see him rebound and get that one in there. So he's, he's been doing a nice job behind the scenes, uh, getting some good work with our scout team and, and still getting a lot of good reps, you know, with us and, and developing as a player. And, you know, you see some of his mobility and skill set that's, you know, that's exciting for him and for us in the future. So it was uh, – yeah, there was a number of guys, you know, that got in and, and did some really nice things that, that was that was great to see. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.